Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back, friends, and happy September. I hope that you're all doing well and feeling balanced and grounded as we settle into a new month. This week's topic has been on my list for a very, very long time, but because it's such a grand concept, I have been dodging it for quite some time now. But today is the day that we explore the topic of the ego. So without any further ado, let's jump right in since there is a lot to cover. Now, if you guys were to do your own research on this topic of the ego, you will find many different definitions depending on the source of the information. But among each, you will definitely find very subtle similarities, which can create a lot of confusion because you may end up walking away from your research feeling as though you don't have a concrete answer. And as a result, you can't really move past the limitations of the ego because you are lacking clarity on what it means in the first place. So what I want to do in today's episode is give a brief overview of some of the of some of the more commonly recognized definitions of this concept of the ego, and then take a more focused approach in terms of really unraveling the deeper meaning behind the term. Now, the more widely accepted definition of the word ego is related to the idea of excessive self-esteem, self-importance, and arrogance. And from a modernized spiritual perspective, the ego is viewed as an informational structure. So more specifically, the information you have gathered about yourself and your surroundings and how the two interplay with one another. So from this perspective, the ego is a fabricated story that really boils down to survival and basic human instinct and can therefore show up as the mask we wear to help protect us from the outside world based on our self-constructed reality. So in the quote unquote spiritual community, the ego is a structure of the psyche that frames our worldview based on our beliefs, fears, desires, fantasies, and expectations. And in terms of psychology, the term ego was popularized by Sigmund Freud, and he described the ego as the consciousness as opposed to the unconscious mind. So according to Freud, the ego is the part of your identity that you consider to be yourself and is part of the conscious mind or psyche. And it's what a person is aware of when they think about themselves, as well as when they try to project um, onto others as well. And building on Freud's idea, Dr. Carl Jung uh, saw the ego as the center of the field of consciousness, which contains our conscious awareness of existence and the sense of personal identity. So we are really beginning to start to see this repeated pattern of the concept of self emerging just based on these definitions. In the Buddhist teachings, the ego is the erroneous um, conception of the self. And there is this repeated theme of transitioning from the self to the non-self, whereby Buddhists believe that personal identity is delusional because the eternal goal in Buddhism is nirvana, which is a state of non-self 
that involves a process of detaching from worldly things and desires. Now, if we were to trace back the word ego, majority of sources across many different languages define ego as the self. And we have already seen this with some of the definitions that we have covered so far. So in Latin, the word ego can be traced back to the word for I that originated from the German term das ich, meaning the I. So when it comes down to it, this idea of the ego represents the self, self-identity, self-concept, or the collections of beliefs that help to answer the question, who am I? Now, if we were to dissect the word soul, we find that it is defined as the immaterial essence or the animating principle. So the soul also then represents the self, meaning that the soul and the ego are one and the same. But if you really want to separate the terms soul and ego, you can think of them on a spectrum of self-expression in that the soul can express itself in its purest form, or it can express itself in an egotistical form. And then the expression of each is what influences and shapes our experience of life. So for today's episode, I want you to think of the soul and ego as interchangeable terms for the same principle, which is the self. So with that in mind, we can think of the soul or ego as a part of the physical self because in this plane of existence where we have a physical body, the soul is confined to the physical body. And because of that, the soul or ego is the part of the self that has desires, appetites, passions, and so on and so forth. Now, from Aristotle's perspective in his book, The Enema, the soul is the form or essence of a living thing. And from the work of the Persian philosopher Ibn Sina, more commonly referred to as Avicenna, the soul is described as the spiritual substance that radiates within the body and revives it in order to make it a medium for gaining knowledge, for perfection of the self and recognition of its creator. And again, he refers to various levels of the soul as well, including the vegetative soul, the animal soul, and the rational soul. So in a sense, our soul or ego is our non-physical blueprint that resides within the human body in the waking life. And what I mean by this is that many traditions believe that during sleep, the soul leaves the human body, but is still tethered to it. And so many believe that the reason why most people die in their sleep is because the soul is already separate from the body. So it's easier for it to remain in another plane of existence. So as we have discussed so far, in psychology, the ego is a neutral concept that simply describes an aspect of ourselves. It basically refers to the conscious mind as a means for uh, differentiating the self from others. And if we do a quick analysis on the word, words that stem from the root ego, the word ego itself is the way a person thinks about themselves, so the I egotistical refers to thinking about I a little too much. Alter ego is another side of oneself. Egocentric is holding the view that the ego is the center object and norm of all experiences. And egopathy is hostile behavior due to psychopathically exaggerated sense of self. So this shows that the ego can exist along a spectrum like I've already mentioned. 
Now, if we view the ego as a psychological concept alone, we're keeping it very limited and one dimensional because we're saying that it's a construct of the mind and therefore can only be accessed through the mind. And this is why you hear a lot of talk about letting go of the mind and ego thoughts, um, which is a way of freeing yourself from this concept of the ego. But what we need to understand is that these thoughts are a part of the self. They are stemming from something deeper inside, which is the self. So for today, I'm going to take a more holistic approach and define the ego through the lens of spirituality and metaphysics. So by now we've established that the ego represents the self. But for those of you who prefer to keep the term soul and ego separate, you can use the imagery of a circle and think of the soul or the self as the circle that contains within it the spirit and the ego. So the spirit is the purest part of the self that has a natural upward inclination towards higher realms and spiritual evolution, while the ego is the animalistic energy that has a constant downward pull towards everything that is worldly. So we all have a divine self or a higher self, as some people call it, that can be divinely influenced. However, through the strong worldly influence of the ego, we slowly forget who we truly are and become trapped in the illusions of separation, hate, and desires. So just like the spirit is influenced by light, higher wisdom, and divinity, the ego is also influenced by dark mental limitations and evil that creates a sort of battleground for the soul and really summarizes the human experience and that constant pull that you may feel from one direction to another. And the reason why I wanted to bring forward this definition in particular is so that you guys can begin to understand that this whole idea of dissolving the ego or transcending past its limitations goes way beyond just the mind or the psyche and that it's an all-encompassing transformation in that you are transforming not just your mind, but the whole self on a deeply profound level. So with that, let's look at what it means to overcome the limitations of the ego by covering the various levels of existence of the so-called soul or ego. Because once you understand the levels, it's easier to see where you are and what you want to strive towards. So let's jump right in. The first level we are going to cover is what is referred to as the commanding self or sometimes even referred to as the evil self. So this is the lowest level of expression of self, which is made up of impulses, drives to satisfy desires and vices. So at this level, you're completely dominated by your wants and desires. And as a result, you create these psychological crutches that maintain your ego's illusionary existence. So at this level, you struggle to act according to reason and higher ideals. This is where the rational and conscious self are completely taken over by human desire without any moral limits or compassion. So self-expression is towards evil, control, selfishness, linked to lust and aggression, arrogance, hardness of the heart, oppression of others, laziness, and stupidity. So at this level, you are attached to lower frequency characteristics such as lying, gossiping, jealousy, criticism, and whatever belongs to others. So there's a lack of gratitude, greed, envy, excessive physical appetite as well. Another 
highlighting point to this level of existence is also a denial of truth, not accepting anything from higher consciousness, which means that the ego commands you and tells you what to do and that it has sovereignty over you. So at this level, you are subordinate to the ego and you listen and follow all that it dictates and commands. So when you identify with your lower self, the majority of your thoughts, desires, and actions are governed by the ego self. The next stage of development is the blaming self. So this is when you begin to differentiate right from wrong, but you may not feel completely ready to break away from the wrong habits completely. At this stage, you may desire recognition for what you have overcome, which is another trap because as you transcend past each stage, there is potential for feeling like you are greater than others. So this is where you may expect appreciation or praise from others. This stage may be highlighted by hypocritical behavior and still kind of um, flavored with that theme of arrogance and anger. So there's this constant fluctuation of obedience versus disobedience. And at this stage, because you have a present sense of consciousness, every time you do something that feels morally wrong, you will experience remorse, regret, guilt, shame, and embarrassment in comparison to the previous stage where there was no differentiation or conscious awareness of actions. You may feel or wish like you could take back some of your actions in this stage or maybe have never have committed them at all. So some people in this stage may even intend on never doing certain things ever again, which creates a bit of an internal battle because you're constantly being torn between temptation and morals. The next level is the inspired self. So this is where you begin to examine yourself, your habits, your addictions, and your desires. So there's a little bit more balance here with a slight inclination towards doing good and a more integrated version of the self. So it leans more towards positive behavior, less towards negative behavior. There's contemplation that's taking place. So there's an opening up of the faculties where you begin to think, feel, and hear more clearly. You open up your heart so that you can receive inspiration from a higher source and feel a greater sense of compassion for others. So this is where a lot of personal and psychological work kicks in. So there is this sense of dedication to your higher self and where the wants and desires still dominate but now you may try to follow your higher impulses as well. So you can't change your life quite significantly yet, but you begin to see your faults more clearly and there is a greater desire for change. The next stage is the secure self. So there's more certainty at this level. So you begin to find genuine pleasure in things that fuel the soul like prayer, meditation, and spiritual practices. And you begin to feel the joy of these spiritual experiences as well. So you're motivated by things like compassion, service to others, and moral values. And the power of the desires and the ego are slowly becoming more and more reduced. And even at this stage, you have an even greater desire for change that was sort of planted in the previous stage. So at this stage, there's more of a commitment to um, honesty, 
to sincere fulfillment of your life purpose and calling, which most often involves humanity and connection with others as well. And there's more of this self-examination that continues to develop. So your heart begins to shine with the light of consciousness and you will begin to embody things such as humility, non-attachment, kindness, generosity, and patience as well. The next stage is the content self. So this is where peace begins to be established. And that light that was planted within the heart in the previous stage now expands into the rest of the body. So the struggles of the other stages are diminished. Desires and attachments are no longer as binding as they used to be. And you begin to accept difficulty with a sense of peace, just as you would accept a state of joy. So hardship and ease are the same. There is no longer a roller coaster of emotions and your character is more grounded and you are content with everything. So every action and deed you begin to see as divinely sanctioned. So there's this sense of wholeness and a sound heart and a very balanced state of cheerfulness and constant gratitude. The next stage is the surrendered self which is also referred to as the gratified self. So this is, again, continuing on that theme of contentment. There is an acceptance of the difficulties and trials of life because you recognize that it all comes from the same source. And what I find very interesting is that because what happens most of the time is that so many people are so hyper-focused on seeking pleasure that they tend to, because of that, reject its opposite, which means you are avoiding pain. And what happens is that every time you experience an outcome that you did not want, you end up suffering and you identify with the pain, which creates more suffering. So living life in a surrendered state allows you to experience life as it flows. And I think I may have to revisit this concept of surrender in a future episode because it's one that a lot of people really find it a difficult concept to grasp. And the final stage that we are going to cover today is the complete self, otherwise referred to as the pure self. So this is where you have transcended the self entirely and begin to experience serenity, contentment, tranquility, and the soul is at peace. So there's no longer this idea of the ego or the separate self, and there's only union with the creator. So this is where you begin to accept ultimate truth. You recognize that concepts like individuality and separateness are only illusions and the experience of those animalistic and imperfect human aspects are completely diminished. So you begin to see beauty in everything. You focus more on service towards others. And if we were to go back to our analogy of the circle, at this stage, you are in a constant state of perfect balance, like being present in a center of the circle. So with all of this in mind, you can begin to see that dissolving the ego results in a neutral state where there's no judgment, blame, and most importantly, no suffering with the goal being unity, wholeness, a sense of deep inner knowing and tranquility. And now that we have covered all of the various stages, what it does is that it helps paint a picture of what the human soul should in essence be striving towards, not only as a means of spiritual evolution, but also in order to be free of human suffering as well. 
And in order to begin this journey, we need to understand that we begin life as pure consciousness. And as we progress through the various developmental stages, physically, mentally, and emotionally, we are also shifting spiritually. And so our ego is the manifestation of what we have collected over time as our sense of personal identity. And the more detached we are from our spiritual side and that pure consciousness, the more we identify with the material world and define ourselves in terms of what we own or possess. So whatever is projected onto us by the external world or our own internal experiences is what we use to define the world and ourselves. And if our definition of self is shaky, we are at risk of negative influences that prevent us from ascending to the highest version of ourselves. And so we begin to struggle with life because we are constantly experiencing duality and multiplicity. Now, something very important that I want to highlight is that what we see happening way too often these days is that people are unknowingly feeding their ego more and more under the mask of spirituality. And this happens when someone thinks that because they are participating in various spiritual practices, that this somehow makes them superior to others, which unfortunately is another game of the ego. Because again, you're experiencing separation and disconnection when the whole purpose of the ascension of the soul is to feel this deep sense of connection more and more with everything in existence. So if you want to know whether or not you're on the right path when it comes to your spiritual evolution, the telltale sign is that the more you grow, the more humble you become with an understanding of the wisdom that you have gained. So you will feel a greater sense of connection with everything in existence. And most importantly, you will always be striving to put forth the part of you that is connected to a divine source and therefore pure in nature. So the idea is as we move higher in levels of transformation of the soul, our inner spiritual voice grows stronger and helps us to have a better sense of discernment and judgment in that we can identify the truth more easily from falsehood. And through that, we can take more guided steps in the direction of our true life purpose and calling. And I know that most often when this whole concept of the ego comes up, the biggest question that people have is that, well, how do I dissolve the ego? How do I destroy it? How do I, there's always a lot of destructive terms that are associated with the concept of the ego, but to lay it out simply for you guys in just reviewing the various stages that we've covered in this episode, you know what you can work towards. And it's pretty simple from, the, from there on, because you know what you're striving towards. It's, it's a, it's a sense of being that you are embodying so much at such a deep level that it just radiates out of you. So when you start to look at the, the various stages, which I feel like a lot of people, when they're on take, when they take the spiritual path very seriously, that becomes the ultimate goal of their life in terms of this idea of perfecting the self on a deeply, deeply spiritual level. So once you begin to understand what that state embodies, it's easier to move 
towards it because really what you're doing is detaching more and more from everything that keeps you bound to this world and understanding deeper truth. And really the teaching comes in and of itself. You don't necessarily need to be hunting to find it. The truth will find you the more you begin to center and align yourself with it. So I guess a first step that you guys can implement is to do a life assessment and see which stage you fall into and then which one you can then begin to strive towards by slowly shifting certain characteristic traits, stepping away from the things that that keep you cloudy in terms of personal identity, which then you begin to project onto others and creates this sense of separation from others as well. Because once you recognize your own divinity within, that's the only thing you will see in everyone else, which will end up connecting you to more and more people. And at this point, we would usually move right into our episode prompts, but I'd actually decided not to do that for this week's topic because I would rather you guys just sit with the content and feel into it. Allow yourself to tap into your heart space and see if there's any inspiration there instead of creating another mental trap where we are trying to resolve something with the mind that goes way beyond the mind. So instead, I want you guys to just sit with it, feel into it and see what inspiration that brings for you. And like always, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I really hope that you guys strongly resonated with this week's topic and that it was enlightening in many ways and made this whole concept of the ego and soul more digestible. And like always, if you know and care about someone who you think might resonate with this week's topic, feel free to share it with them. And I look forward to connecting with you guys in a future episode.